listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message is from our most recent weekend service located on our downtown Brea campus. We hope you are encouraged and strengthened from today's episode. Now for a timely message from Senior Pastor Kelly Fellows. Let's do something. We're, we're getting into Take out your journal. Take out your Bible if you have one. Uh, we're in this series. We're back into our series called Identity. On the count of three, let's all say identity. One, two, three. Identity. And I'm going to invite you. We're going to just read a portion of our theme verse. And the theme verse is from Acts chapter 17, verse 28. Take a look on the screen. I'm going to ask everybody. Let's all read it together. If you're outside, I want to hear you nice and loud. If you're online watching from home, I want you to turn up the volume and say this with me. We're going to read Acts chapter 17 verse 28 together. Ready? Begin. In him we live and move and have our being. This is our theme verse. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ. Last week we took a break from our identity series to celebrate our five-year anniversary and wasn't that good? Can we say thank you to all those who did such a hard job? on? Thank you so much. The tacos were great. The service was wonderful. The people who shared their stories were so grateful for your stories and all that you shared with us. Thank you. There was so much hard work that went into this and I, I enjoyed it so much last week. A great celebration. We've been looking at, in our series, though we're back into it, at the importance and the significance of our, our identity and that statement of I am. I am. Who are you if you were to fill out a, a little card like we did on that first week and say, I am. I am what? I am who? Who are you? We looked into scripture. We even saw that, that God made an I am statement in the Old Testament and it was a bold statement. He declared his name as the great I am. And then we heard from Jesus in the New Testament. Matter of fact, we studied the Gospel of John and we saw that he made eight significant I am statements identifying who he is. These metaphorical statements gave us greater insight into God's character and God's identity. And because of who he is, I can be. And take a look on the screen. This is what we discovered in the Gospel of John. That because he is living bread, I am satisfied. Because he is light, I can see clearly. Because he is the gate, I have a home because he is the good shepherd. I am protected because he is the redemption, resurrection. I am alive because he is the way, truth, and the life. I am never lost. And because he is the vine, I am a protector productive and fruitful individual. These I am statements help us to identify who we are. Then a couple weeks ago, I gave you a bookmark. Hopefully you still have that bookmark on I am statements that you can adopt for yourself personally as scripture defines who you are in Jesus Christ. If you didn't get one of those bookmarks, we have a number of them in back. Feel free to take one or two or share them with somebody. Today, we're going to shift gears from he is and I am to we are. Everybody say we are. We are, we are, our corporate identity, our collective identity, our congregational identity, because he is, I am, and we are, we are. So we're going to look into the scriptures today, but as we get started in the scriptures, 
Remember in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, if you've even started to read the Bible, many people have. They usually, you know, get through Genesis and go, man, that's a lot. But at least they get through chapters 1 and 2. How many of you say you've read at least chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis? Wave back. Okay, most of you have. Most of you have. You remember in that story where God is creating everything, right? He creates the seas. He creates the heavens. He creates the land. He creates the animals. And he creates all these things and he says they're good, right? And then he creates humanity. And what does he say? This is very good. He identifies humanity as very good. In modern terms, if we were to say that, you might say, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's good, but that's awesome. Or that's good, but that's amazing. And when I read that, that's what I think about this human body, this humanity that God has made is amazing. When I consider all the things even this human body can do, it's amazing. I fell down the other day, almost broke a limb, fell and hit my side, got up and I'm like, I'm okay. And I'm, I'm healing up. It's amazing how this body can heal. I mean, look at the person next to you and go, you're amazing. Come on, tell them that. They, they need to hear that right now. You are amazing. The, the human body can not only do things, it can endure a whole lot, can it? It really can. I was really impressed when I was watching this again. Uh, the guy with the one leg, the incredible things that he was doing with one leg. It just reminds me how we can be overcomers and the things that we can do. And God created us that way. Amazing, amazing. This, this videos show what the amazing things the human body can do and the endurance that the human body can do. Different sizes, different shapes, different colors, but still amazing. Muscles and bones that have been put together in such a way with miles and miles of veins that are transporting blood around your body to accomplish the things that God has created you to do. This amazing body. A group of organs that make up systems and systems that make up this amazing body. Each part is important and each part relies upon the other part. When I was in the hospital a couple of years ago recovering, I realized how important the various parts were. You know, the brain needs the heart to pump blood so the brain can do what the brain needs to do. Isn't that right? Well, the heart needs the brain to regulate the pumping of the heart. It's incredible how dependent all these systems are. And the brain and the heart, they need the lungs to oxygenate the blood so the blood can circle and cycle around the body so that all the other organs can do what they're created to do. Each one is necessary and dependent on the other so that we can have this amazing body. Okay, tell that up. Now tell another person, you're amazing. Ready, set, go. Come on. Come on. Come on. We need to hear this. You need to hear this. When you think about how it all works together, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? It really is. Scientists have been working for decades to create robots that can function like human beings. One of those is, is Honda. And this is one of the best things that they can come up with. Take a look at this one. Tech Gadget TV. What we can learn about the future of robotics from the Osimo period. Osimo, Advanced Step and Innovative Mobility, was once the most well-known advanced humanoid robot in the world. However, the abbreviation was taken from the Japanese word "asi," which means foot or leg. Osimo even played football with the President of the United States, at a running pace of 9 kilometers per hour. It would have been more difficult to outrun Zizou or Bendit like Beckham. 
Honda's bipedal humanoid robot, on the other hand, was a charming innovation that held a lot of potential. It had a hefty price tag of $2.5 million in the realm of robots built for assisted living. But why did Honda put a halt to production? Throughout the 1980s, Honda experimented with the concept of prototype humanoids. A dozen prototypes were created during the next two decades. Honda debuted their first prototype humanoid. Honda spent, the price ticket for one of those robots was two and a half million dollars as you heard, but they literally spent hundreds of millions of dollars developing Osimo. They, They stopped working on Osimo after 40 years. One of the reasons why it wasn't as cost effective as they had anticipated. They were pouring more money into trying to make something like a human being. They said the hardest thing, this was when it comes down to the hardest thing of all robotics is getting all the various parts to function together and work together. A little loud today. You guys feel free to close the doors if it's getting a little loud. (laughs) It's so hard to get those parts to work together, the different functions and making it all happen. That's what makes your body and you so stinking amazing. Dozens of parts and systems working together to accomplish the incredible things that you do. Simply getting up in the morning, losing an hour of sleep, shutting off the alarm and trying to figure out what day it is, what time it is, but then getting up and making a cup of coffee, going and getting dressed and going about your day. Those are incredible things, let alone the amazing things that we can do when we work together as one body. Many of you probably know where I'm going with this because the Bible talks about another kind of amazing body. We've looked at the robotic bodies. We've looked at the human bodies today. But the Bible talks about another body that is unique. And when all the parts work together can do absolutely incredible things. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have a Bible or you're taking notes, write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Take a look at this verse. Verse 12 Paul the Apostle is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's describing this body. He says, the human body has many parts, like we saw today, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Everybody say body of Christ. Now, some of you, if you're new to church or you're new to reading the Bible, this is not referencing Jesus's physical body who was here on earth. No, it's talking about something a little bit more. And we see it in verse 13. Take a look at verse 13. It says, some of us are Jews and some are Gentiles. Some are slaves and some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share that same spirit. Well, this brings it a little bit more clear. And then we jump down to verse 27 and this clarifies it. Here's what it says. All of you together are Christ's body. Each one of you is a part of that body. You see where it's going? The apostle Paul is saying that you are part of this body, this organism called the body of Christ, or what we call today the church. And each one of you is a part of the body of Christ. Do you know, I would say you're the big toe of Jesus's body. (laughs) Need the big toe, man. You're in the body. 
Some of you are an ear on the body of Christ. Some of you are the nose of the body of Christ. You might even be the earlobe of the body of Christ. But every single part is important. Even the big toe. Need the big toe. Fall over if you don't have the big toe. We need that big toe. The baby toe, I don't know, man. But it's important. Even the little tiny nail on the baby toe, the one that you can barely see, right? You have a hard time cutting. That's an important part of the body. In this passage of, 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 of Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul uses the body as an example of every person who follows Jesus. When we come together, we are one body. That completes today's statement. Take a look on the screen. Write this down. We are one body. Everybody say that together. We are one body. We are one. We are one. And like the human body, every single part is important. Every single part is important. Let me read to you from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 again. And let's read more of this from verse 14 through 18. It says, yes. The body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that doesn't make it less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? Absolutely not. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? You, I, love, I love the imagery. Don't you love how the Bible creates such funny imagery? This is almost kind of like a Nickelodeon kind of thing. A giant eyeball would be walking around, cartoon animated, trying to be all and everything. But that's not how it works. Matter of fact, a giant eye walking around is kind of scary, don't you think? It's almost like a horror movie. Ah, you know, just one giant eye. No. That, that's a scary thing. It says that part is important. If the whole body were an eye, how would it hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Mm, I love that line. God puts every part just where he wants it. We all play a part in what God is doing here on earth. You are part of this amazing body of believers because of Jesus, we are one body. Put that up on the screen. I want you all to see that again. We are one body. So important to see. So important to see. I know you hear about churches, <clears throat> various churches around the world. But every church, every gathering, every congregation that calls Jesus Christ Lord and looks at the Bible and says this is his word, we are all one. Doesn't matter the culture. Doesn't matter the geography. We are one. Even our styles and preferences of worship don't change the fact that we are one in Jesus Christ. And every one of those parts are important. Oh, so important and so vital for us to understand that you are important. Each person is important. I reference back to the, the story of The Chosen that Dallas Jenkins has produced and directed, and I love how they demonstrate the, the early disciples and the flaws and, and the shortcomings and the humanity of these early followers. And we see that they're all different. And at times, because of their differences and their different perspectives, they show the conflict that must have happened. And it's true. Because when we are so different, there can be conflict that can happen. And there will be conflict that can happen. But it doesn't change the fact that you are an important part and you matter. Different 
but important. You know, your ear is different from your feet, but thank God for the ear, right? Because if you hear a bear coming up behind you, you better have those feet that can take you away really fast, right? So the ear and the feet are working together. The mouth that speaks a lot may say, well, hey, I'm more important than anything else. I'm the talker. But the mouth is really happy for the hands when the mouth is hungry and the hands reach out for a nice in and out burger. And the mouth is going, please put it right inside. (laughs) The mouth is happy for the hands. The body can't exist without the hands. The body can't exist without the mouth. The body can't exist without the eyes. They're all vitally necessary. All seriously important. Sometimes we think other parts are more important than others. And others are less significant. But that's not what God thinks. I want to take just a minute of our time today today to look at someone who many thought were insignificant, but God didn't see him insignificant. And some of you may feel, oh, what is my place in the body of Christ? And God is saying, oh, ho, ho, be available and I'll show you. You are so significant. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, man or woman, boy or girl, you are an important part. I want to take a look at a, a man by the name of David, and his story is found in the Old Testament book of Samuel. Samuel. Samuel was a man, he was a prophet, he was a priest, he was a judge, <clears throat> and he had a responsibility to establish kings. He was a kingmaker, established kings for the country, the nation of Israel. Well, we pick up in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16, and Samuel has been told by God that the current king, Saul, is no longer graced by God to lead. He had made decisions. He had lived a lifestyle that disqualified him from being the king. And so God sends Samuel out to find a new king, to anoint a new king that would lead Israel. He went to Bethlehem. And what did Samuel do? He started looking, much like all of us would, looking for someone who was king-like. If you were tasked to go find a king, especially back in those ancient times, you probably would be looking for a certain kind of person, wouldn't you? I mean, think in your mind right now, make kind of a little checklist. What would I look for in a king? You know, maybe somebody with military experience, maybe somebody who has diplomatic experience, maybe somebody who comes from a wealthy family, mm-hmm, right? So they could have some resources. You might be thinking, who would make a good king? Strong, burly, intelligent right? Who would you be thinking should be a king? Well, Samuel comes into this town and he's looking for someone who's king-like. And here we pick up in verse four. Take a look. It says, when they arrived, Samuel took one look. They arrived at Jesse's house. Jesse was one of the elders of that city in Bethlehem. They arrived at his house and Samuel took one look at Eliab, which was Jesse's oldest son, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. We don't know what Eliab looked like, but something about him looked king-like, right? Maybe he was confident. He was the firstborn. He was probably one that helped make decisions in the house. So when he walked forward, oh man, this is a king. Large, strong, maybe handsome. I don't know, but something about him made him look king-like. But the Lord says, no, Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height. Okay, so he was tall. For I have rejected him. All the short people in here going, yes, yes. 
short people. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I want you to pause there for a second before we go on to the next verse. Some of you need to hear that in here. The Lord's not looking at the outer appearance. Thank God, right? <laughs> for some of us, <laughs> thank you, God. And the older I get, the more I say, oh, God. I look in the mirror going, oh, thank God you don't look at the outer appearance. Thank God you're looking at my heart. That's so important for us to hear. God's not looking on the outside, but he's looking on the inside. Looking on what happens on the inside. Later on, Jesus would talk even to the religious leaders that spent so much time on their outer appearance, the clothes that they wore, the words that they spoke, the way that they lived. Jesus would even say these words. He'd say, you guys are like graves, beautiful on the outside, but dead on the inside. That directly references back to when God spoke to Samuel and said, God doesn't look at the outer appearance. He looks at the heart. Let's continue on. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab, okay, good, number two, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. It's like a beauty pageant, you know? Here he comes, Abinadab, he turns, he walks back. <laughs> I mean, there's Samuel, maybe king-like, I don't know. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel, but Samuel says, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summons Shimei, but Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all, uh, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. You know, big fashion show going on there, right? Handsome men, strong men, they're all being paraded in front of Samuel, and Samuel's not getting, he's just like, no, this is none of them. None of them. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then, here we go. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Interesting. All the sons are to be presented and all seven of them have gone by and everything stops. And they're all looking around. And finally Samuel goes, well, is this it? This all of them? And Jesse, the dad, finally, oh, wait a minute. There's still the youngest one. I forgot about him. Any youngest children in here? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all know what we're talking about here, right? The youngest one. We forgot about him. Uh, the Mora family. The Mora family has this many children. And I'm sure the youngest sometimes kind of hid out, kind of could scoot away, you know, and, and not be found. Well, the youngest here, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields. He's watching the sheeps and the goat. He's covering for us so we could be here having dinner with you. You see, the eighth and the youngest son was so insignificant in the eyes of his family that they forgot about him. He wasn't the obvious choice. He was insignificant in his family's eyes, but not in God's eyes. Mm -mm. Nope. Nope. Here's what Samuel says. He says, send for him at once. Samuel said, we will not sit down to eat until he arrives. See, David had been an afterthought in his family's minds. But Samuel takes the position of the Lord. We will not move any further. We will not even progress until this one comes. They sent for David. When he arrives, it says in verse 12, and the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. This is the one. Anoint him. 
significant in the eyes of his family, significant in the eyes of maybe the neighbors in the community, but not insignificant in God's eyes. Signif- insignificant with his family, insignificant with his community, but significant with God. Significant with the Lord. Listen, God took what others thought was insignificant and transformed the world through this one life. See, David would go on to become this great warrior. David would go on. Even later on, David would come in and they'd look at David and go, but David is so small. How can he do anything? And then David would go and stand before a giant Philistine and defeat the giant. And everyone would see, whoa, maybe not so insignificant. David would go on to become king of Israel. And the Bible calls him the greatest king of Israel. You ask Jews to this day, who is the greatest king of all of Israel? They will say David was. David was. And even beyond that, you and I sit here today. We have faith in God. We have salvation that is found in Jesus Christ because God would bring the Savior of the earth, through David's line. Son of David, son of man, the son of God, Jesus Christ. Insignificant? I think not. Highly significant. And he plays an incredible part in God's story. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. As the band comes forward, I want to I want us to begin to think about our own selves in light of David and in light of the scripture about being one body. I want you to know you matter to God. You do. Each one, each of you, you, we are one body. Each person is unique and important. We are one body. We are the body of Jesus Christ. I want you to say that with me on the count of three. Say we are one body. One, two, three. We are one body. Collectively, we are the body of Jesus Christ. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his arms. We are his legs here on earth to this day, to this generation. Without you, the gospel may not move forward. God's waiting for someone who'll say, okay, Lord, here I am. I know others have viewed me insignificant, but in your eyes, I'm hearing that I am important. I matter. I am significant. You are created and called as a congregation to bring the hope and salvation to this generation. In Jesus' name. Would you close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment? And I want you to think about that passage from Corinthians where Paul is talking about the body. And you're considering going, where do I fit? Maybe you're feeling like I don't really fit. I'm too old. My productive days are behind me. Maybe you're feeling too, you're young and you're going, I just don't have the experience. I don't have the the respect. God wants you to know that you are significant. That you matter to him. And that you are a significant part of what he is doing in this generation right now. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, as we hear these words from Paul and we look back on how you anointed David, 
Lord, I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that you would raise up Davids all across this room, all under the tent, online right now. God, raise up Davids where others have seen them or viewed them or vocalized to them that they're insignificant, that their talents and their skills are so small they don't really matter. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, God, you would quiet those lies, quiet those words, and speak to every heart and mind through the power of your Holy Spirit how you see each person that calls you Lord. You see them as your child, as significant as a person who matters in all that you are doing in this generation. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed and nobody looking around. Maybe you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You just need to simply say, God, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior today. Come into my heart. Heal me and fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. And Lord, as they pray this prayer, I pray that confidence would rise up. In the name of Jesus Christ. Can we all say amen together? Amen, amen, amen. amen. So Pastor Kelly, why are we why are we getting into this? So we went to I am, we went to he is, I am, and now we are. Why is that? Because we have a mission. My wife and I last night, as we were finishing up watching uh, The Chosen, she said to me, it reminds us of what really matters. So much of what we do, so much of what we participate in doesn't really matter. What matters is the eternal life of men and women who are in our community, who are in our families, who are in this generation, who need the hope, who need healing, who need to be delivered, right? And we all play a part in that. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking into scripture. Who are we as a congregation? Who are we as a body of believers? I'm going to get into some specific things of who we are. And I have a kind of an end goal here for the next month. As Pastor Jared said, one month from this weekend is a big, what we call the Christian Super Bowl of the world. Do you all know what that is? Easter, that's right. Put it up on the screen there. We have Easter that is coming. And you can tell even our graphics are similar to our series. Why is that? That's very intentional. Because we're, we are bringing this hope of salvation through Jesus Christ to our community and our generation. We all play a part in that. We all get to declare because he lives, we are. And so I want to encourage you. We have one month right now, one month to begin to pray, invite, consider, Pay for somebody to come here. Buy them breakfast. Buy them coffee. Do whatever it takes to get them to come and experience Easter with us together. Why is that? Because it's the easiest opportunity throughout the entire year to bring somebody to hear the gospel. Who needs hope? Who needs salvation? Who needs healing in your life right now? A work associate? A family member? Maybe somebody who's viewed you as insignificant. Maybe you need to reach out to them and say, come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's gather here at Easter. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to end this way. I'm going to say, thank you, Lord, for building up this incredible body of believers. I'm going to pray that God would show his purpose in you personally. And I want you to pray for an Easter opportunity 2023. Who's it going to be? Who are you going to bring 
close to Jesus. Because remember, when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. So Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for building this incredible body called the body of Christ. Each person playing a unique and important part. And Lord, I pray that you would begin to reveal for those who are struggling, going, I don't even know my place. Lord, begin to reveal to them, and even over the next few weeks, help us to identify those purposes in Jesus' name. And lastly, and let's all pray this together, God, show us the opportunities to invite and to bring someone to hear the good news and experience salvation, healing, and hope in Jesus' name. Are you thinking about that person right now? Would you commit to God to say, God, I will find a way to invite, bring, pay for, buy coffee, do whatever it takes to bring them into your presence here on Easter Sunday. We commit now in Jesus' name. Can we all say amen together? Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more great content and information about Refinery Church, find us at wearerefinery.com and our socials, We Are Refinery. If you would like to help support and give to the ministry, visit our website at wearerefinery.com forward slash give. See you on our next episode at the Refinery Church Podcast.